0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of Behind the Scoreboard Podcast. I'll be your host, Garrett. I am taking my uh, Series 66 uh, exam on Friday. But outside of that, we have our playoff spectacular today, uh, going game by game in the NFL playoffs. And uh, so let's go ahead and get started. We're going to start out. I have been watching Seinfeld in our culture section here. And honestly, that show is so good i like, i don't I don't laugh a whole lot at it, and there are some parts that make you cringe, but it's just like, yeah, this is really solid and Kramer might be honestly my all time favorite um character in any t v show. It's just he's just so odd, but he's also like kind of a genius on some things as well, which is weird. And he just barges in, so I think he's a very solid, one of the best supporting characters in a TV show of all time. Uh, Book of Boba Fett, that's been going out, and honestly, I'm really happy that they kind of showed how he got out of the uh, Sarlacc pit, Um, and everything that's been going on there, just kind of his journey. Of how he got out of there, how he got back to the suit, um, his journey with the Tuscan Raiders and helping them out and kind of really humanizing the Raiders and it's honestly been pretty good and then you also have the current day going along with that which is just as interesting about you have Jabba the Hutt's cousins or siblings or I, I don't remember exactly what they were and you have a Wookiee that attacks him and It's honestly just very good. So if you haven't watched it, it comes out on Wednesdays on Disney+, Plus. Book of Bubba Fett. It's fantastic. Um, Let's just go back into uh, our last episode real quick of our our bowl predictions. I finished 30 and 15. That put me in the top 90% in the uh, Capital One Bowl Mania Challenge. I will say my actual record was just a bit lower than that, but I did juice myself up a bit by uh, going back into those bowl games. that got canceled because of COVID and the team that had to cancel. I gave them a loss and I went five and one on that. So out of the six bowl games, I went five and one on the uh, team that lost. I'll actually put down 30 and 16 because I totally forgot. I didn't count that uh, central Michigan game that ended up getting moved that I, I lost on that one, uh, Central Michigan and Washington State. So thirty and 16 still really good on that, uh, especially best bowl, in my opinion, was the Texas bowl for obvious reasons. And I don't want to hear anything about, well, LSU was playing with the uh, wide receiver quarterback. Okay, that dude was a four-star player. Okay, LSU had more five-stars on the field than K-State has had in their entire history. Uh, Just uh, for a reminder, we had never had a five-star player. We've had a couple 4 stars. We had Brock Rubley. We had uh, Josh Freeman. Those were a couple four-star guys. But we've never had a five-star guy, and they had multiple out on the field. So I don't want to hear anything about this talent uh, gap. Oh, they were playing their backups. Oh, poor you guys to have four- and five-star backups to be able to just go out there. Also. They, the wide receiver quarterback in 2015, K State played five or six games. I went and looked at it the other day. I forgot what it was. With Cody Cook, a Juco transfer wide receiver that we had a turn quarterback. Okay. Nobody gave us any rips. Okay. We played in a bowl game that we ended up losing like 35 17 to Arkansas with a backup not even a backup. He was like our emergency quarterback, wide receiver turned quarterback. So don't give me any of those excuses for LSU. The LSU fans were completely toxic, but, but I do want to give major props to the LSU players going out there. You know, they didn't go out there and just lay down. They they went out there. They actually played. I was surprised. I really thought they were going to pull a UCLA and just cancel on the day of a game because that's the type of program that LSU would be, you know, hiring a coach that killed a player or covering up, uh, coach student relations until they want to fire the guy, you know, um, or sitting on them. So yeah, the LSU are Les Miles sitting on them, uh, Ed Orgeron hiding them until they wanted him fired. And then Brian Kelly, who killed a student at Notre Dame, that they're just like, nope, it's okay. So that's the type of program that LSU is. And um, I I am happy for the players that they actually went out there and played, and nothing can be taken away from uh, K-State and their win on it. And I, what about Colin Klein going out there and calling a heck of a game? You know, we weren't doing that bull crap, wildcat on fourth down. We were actually running legit plays on fourth down and converting. So happy for him to get along with the plays on that. Um, looking forward, I have not been this excited for K-State football going into a year. I was that excited this year after the like first two or three games. But just, you know, we, we laid a foundation, eight wins. We've been, funny, fun fact, Chris Kleiman's been bowl eligible every year at K-State. Oh, he won four games, okay? COVID still said everybody was bowl eligible that year. He just opted to do the uh, spring practices instead of the, the winter practices. And um, we're, we're getting Nebraska's all-time leading yardage guy in Adrian Martinez. And he's going to compete with Will Howard. Um, man, I don't know how I feel about that one. And Jake Rubley, I'm excited for that. So hopefully Adrian Martinez is somewhat of a, of a Jalen Hurts. You know, he wasn't completely polished, but he came into a really good situation and had a fantastic year at Oklahoma. Uh, and f- he was kind of a stopgap for, at the time, what was supposed to be the passing of the torch, the next great OU quarterback, Spencer Rattler. Um, so hopefully that's what it's similar going to be like with, um, Adrian Martinez patching the torch to Jake Rubley, except Jake Rubley actually pans out. So that's going to be a fun time. Kai Thomas, uh, kind of switch gears a little bit. Kai Thomas leaving to, or not leaving to, but leaving Minnesota in the transfer portal what a wild season it's been in the transfer portal uh, his only three offers that he's publicly stated have been in order Colorado he ran over he ran all over Colorado and their coach had um, was impressed by him so they uh, obviously offered him right away KU offered him next ties back home, and then Purdue offered him. Purdue's really interesting. They have a high power. I guess they're more of a passing offense, but they always seem to upset uh, a top team in the country and then somehow finish like 7-5 and or of the such. But Colorado's interesting because they also just lost their number one running back to the transfer portal as well. Um, P.J. Fleck, Minnesota's coach, filed a complaint of tampering on K-State. So that's interesting. It's not, I wouldn't say it's barring him from coming to K-State, but it uh, is making it very challenging per se. And according to Derek Young, the uh, lead writer for rivals in K-State online recruiting, uh, he's very plugged into recruiting with K-State has, um expressed that there's interest on both sides to bring him in for a visit to Kansas State. If you remember, Kansas State lost our two and three running backs to the transfer portal, so we just have uh, um, Deuce Vaughn back there. All-American, though. Um, very excited for that. So it'll be interesting to see if he wants to come to K-State um, and be kind of a two-step to Deuce Vaughn. Deuce Fon may just stay for one more year. He's draft eligible after this year. Deuce Fon may stay for three more years because he had that extra COVID year. Um, Kai Thomas is technically a sophomore because the COVID year, but he's played two years. He was just the bull game MVP. Um, KU is going to be interesting. Uh, uh, What is, oh gosh, I can't think of their quarterback's name off the top of my head, but he was very impressive down the stretch against Texas. Uh, Kind of at the end of the year, he played very well, um, and he's a bit more of a a true passer than what KU had at the beginning of the year at the position. And he also brings that mobility factor as well, so him and Kai in the backfield could be very interesting uh, there. So it's going to be very fun. I, I do like following along what all happens with the transfer portal, who goes where, and... I'm I'm very excited to see where a former Topeka high kid uh, goes that uh, with the success that he's had running backs are always interesting because it seems like, I don't want to discredit the running back position, but unless you have like a Deuce Vaughn or a, a Derek Henry in college or a Mark Ingram or an Adrian Peterson, it's very just meh. Like when K-State was winning the big 12, we had, Well, the first time we had Darren Sprouls, but we had John Hubert the second time. John Hubert, very mad. Darren Sprouls, on the other hand, ended up becoming like an all-pro slot guy or utility guy. But very interesting. Going to be excited where this uh, turns out. So going on, let me just... I need to go off on Kansas State for a minute. Jeff Mitty, the women's head coach, heck of a job recruiting Got Ioka Lee who is, like, the greatest player in the country right now, in my opinion, in my totally unbiased opinion. She's dropping, like, 30 points a game, and K-State was 3-0 in conference play. She dropped 38, didn't score for the final, like, six minutes of the game. And as we were facing a top-10 Iowa State team that we had on the ropes, and we blew an 11-point, 12-point lead against in the final minute, final... Sorry, final, like, three minutes. Just absolutely insane that uh, K-State's settling for mediocrity with, you know, Bruce Weber. I'll get into that in just a moment. But Jeff Mitty got fired at TCU. is not known to be a basketball school, okay? It's not like he was coming from, um, you know, like a Baylor women's program or even a South Carolina women's program or a KU men's program along those, just the pedigree with that. No, he was coming from a very meh TCU where he's in the Dallas Metroplex there. And he sucked there. So TCU let him go. And then he comes into K state. I don't think he's won a conference game or um, not a conference game. I'm sorry. I don't think he's won a postseason game maybe, but every year K state gets like the eight or nine seed. And, um, you look at this roster with Ioka Lee and if he doesn't get to the second weekend of the tournament, it is going to be very upset and he's just going to get his job saved by Ioka Lee and then we're going to be doomed to mediocrity. So there's my rant on the K-State women's game, which if you ever watch, if you ever get the chance to watch, um, k-state this year i absolutely would recommend tuning into the women's team and just seeing how dominant ioka lee is she already broke the record for most points in the game um, by a k-state player and she was about to do it again she had plenty of time to get seven points against iowa state and then didn't score for the final six minutes um so i think she'll definitely have another chance to do it again this year we have an interesting sunflower showdown coming up in the the women's game uh, in the next week too, and I'll be tuning into that one. KU has actually been fairly decent on the women's side as well, so that should be actually a good matchup there. Going on to the men's side, K State is eight and seven, zero and four in conference play, and we very easily could be four and 3 and one in conference play, and um, 13 and two on the year. Like we have been that close, uh, in all our games. We have led in the second half of every single conference game so far. We're losing at halftime to Texas tech right now. And Selton Miguel just had another turnover. I don't know why he keeps playing. He has been God awful today. The dude has had two shot clock violations. Another just bad pass right to a Texas Tech guy. This guy's driving me insane today. K-State can't play a complete game on basketball, and it's just absolutely infuriating that we have become eight and seven 0-4 in conference play. But um you have K-State's been very interesting fan base wise on where they stand with Bruce Weber, where a lot of the oldies are like, well, you brought us a conference championship game, or you brought us two conference championships and an Elite Eight. And then you have the other people who have been crying for him to be fired since 2012 and have been saying, I told you so. You can be thankful for everything he's done throughout this time. Like, yes, uh, he brought us our first a conference championship in like 30, 40 years, something Lon Kruger didn't do. Um, I mean, Lon Kruger had arguably one of the greatest basketball teams in K State history in 88 when we lost to uh, Danny Manning in the Elite Eight. We could have won the, the Natty that year. Uh, Frank Martin had a really good team that went to the Elite Eight, Jacob Pull and Denny Clemente. That was a fantastic team, but we were going up against one of the greatest. KU teams of all time that year. Otherwise, K State wins the conference. Um, and let's see. Oh, 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 Marquise Noel almost had the chance to tie it up at 31 on a three, but missed it. But it's, you can be very thankful for what Bruce has done. Bruce has donated over a million dollars to the K State General Scholarship Fund, along with other donations to K State facilities. And it's just like, he's a great guy. I'm sure he's fantastic. The players love him. You know, you have Mark Smith and Marquise Noel coming out after our last game saying this isn't on him. This is on us. So yes, the players like playing for him, but they're just not playing really well for him or good at all for him or consistent for him, whatever, but he's a great guy. You can be very thankful, very happy. You know, when he comes back ever for a game standing ovation, because yes, he's been fantastic for our program, but, three straight years of the worst stretch of K State basketball in history since 2019 when Chris Kleiman was fired. Or sorry, since Chris Kleiman was hired on at K State. He has more conference wins than Bruce Weber does. Since 2019. That's how bad it's been on our, our men's team. And if you look at what happened in uh what was that 2017 through 2018? Um K State and Texas Tech, very similar parts of our program or very similar places in program history. We shared the Big Twelve title. Texas Tech then went on to getting hosed in a national championship on an out of bounds call from winning, and K State got bounced in the first round by U C Irvine. Um, you can complain that K State was very um, underseeded, and U C Irvine. Was also underseeded. The UC Irvine way more underseeded than K State was. Uh, K State has been the only Big Twelve team to ever win the conference and be seated lower than a three seed, and it's happened to us twice. Both times when uh, Bruce Weber um, won the conference, and K State just took the lead. So K State has now had a second half lead in every conference game, and we're likely going to be zero and five. Um, so that's, that's fantastic. That's, that's great. We love to see that very bad for my health, heart health. So I think it's unless Bruce Weber goes on an amazing run, you know, like we were two and five, um, in 2011. Granted, that was when Frank Martin was the head coach. We started off two and five in conference play. And then Jacob Pullen just went dummy when he dropped 38 on um KU in that Valentine's Day massacre or when he dropped like 32 against Mizzou um and then beat number one Texas like when we just went on that awesome stretch there. I don't we have the ability to do that right now. Like we have uh Texas Tech KU Baylor um and then I is it Iowa State all in our next four games. So it has the opportunity to turn our season around. You know, we go three and one. We're very much in the conversation to be, you know, one of the final four teams in. And uh, uh, so we very well have the opportunity to do that. I don't think we will. Um, But I think it's mostly a foregone conclusion that Bruce Weber's out. It's just time for a change in leadership. Very thankful for everything he's done for our program. But uh, just like last year, I almost just re-aired this episode as last year where I just went over all the head coaches, but I went back and looked. And most of them have gone on to other jobs, but here's who I would still take um, for, for my choices for next year. I am looking at outside hires. Shane Southwell's okay. Uh, he, he did a, a decent job against Texas when we had seven players. You know, we are up um, on him at halftime, but K-State, you know, we just got tired at the end of the game there from just mainly playing a rotation of five or six guys for the most part. Um, so I think he's still young. He can pull like a Kim English where he goes somewhere else, you know, like he's a George Mason right now, turn that program around, um, see what he does. But I'm not as high on S- Shane Southwell as everybody else is just because he played at K-State. My my top choice is Ben McCollum, who's at the, the head coach at Northwest Missouri State, you know, just won a natty there. Uh, I do actually have a coworker who played for him when he was a coach at Emporia State, and he does not believe that Ben will leave Northwest. He said he's just treated like a god there. He loves it there. So I don't think it happens, but, um, you know, when K-State offers you three to $4 million a year, I think that's gonna be very hard now. I'm not even saying that he's interested in it or even that k State would offer him that. that's just a thought, so it would be very intriguing to you know making in two fifty two hundred fifty thousand whatever it is at Northwest most state to turn around and make twenty times that at k state uh so I think that would be intriguing. Uh, then the next one is actually some familiar names that I, I shared on the last episode. So we had Pat Kelsey, who last year was at Winthrop. He went to college of Charleston and doing a good job there. So he wouldn't be my, my next choice. Honestly, my choice above him might even be Chris Jans, uh, who's the head coach at New Mexico state. And that dude is a grinder. He knows the area. Well, he was a head coach at Kirkwood community college in Iowa He was the coach at Independence Community College. Let's go, Pirates baby. Um, And then he was a Wichita State assistant coach. Um, He's a New Mexico State coach. And if you look at where New Mexico State is on a map, it is in a very podunk part of a podunk state in a podunk region. Okay, that whole New Mexico, West Texas region is not good. Um, and it is in like the southern part of uh, New Mexico, not even around like Albuquerque. It's in Las Cruces. Very hard to recruit area. And he's just done a fantastic job there. If you remember when KU lost to Auburn in the, the second round of the NCAA tournament a couple years ago. Uh, I'm, I'm not poking fun at him, but Auburn was a very good team that year. And New Mexico State gave them all they could handle in that first round. Um, and New Mexico State's a very good program, so I would be excited if he comes here. And then you have Anthony Grant from Dayton. He's done a, a solid job there. He had Obi Toppin, who went to – he was a top five draft pick, so he can recruit talent. Uh, Nico Medved uh, from Colorado State, who has Svee McAiluk on his staff out there. So that's a, actually a very fun thing to poke at. That one I am poking fun at KU for the, the U and I guy. But Nico Medved has been like a turnaround. He's also been a grinder. Colorado State's a very good team, and he seems to to want that next step. He's gone to Drake. He's been in a couple other small stops along the way, but also speaking of there we go Casey Ziegu finally with the dunk. K State's big men are so soft, but they can be good. Uh, speaking of Drake, Darian DeVries, the Drake head coach, uh, he's been solid there knows the region well, you know, what is it, like six hours from Manhattan to Des Moines, not a terrible spot. You're in this the same region. And then Casey Alexander from Belmont, he was another one I had last year that, you know, Belmont's always one of those good mid-major teams that's always in the running for their conference. Uh, so that would be uh, another college coach that would be intriguing to me. I wouldn't necessarily go for Chris Lowry uh he's a nice guy. He always followed um uh Bruce Weber around. He he did actually have a good season when he was a coach at Southern Illinois for a couple of years. Uh so it would be interesting, but not my favorite choice. So with uh without further ado, that's where I'm at with K State basketball. You know, we have the ability to beat anybody. We're tied with Texas Tech in the second half now we we've done solid in the transfer portal this year. So I just don't think it's getting done to what it could be. Part of that's on Bruce and you know, maybe getting old wants to spend time with his grandkids, listen to Pete, the cat, who knows? So very thankful for Bruce and what he's done, but it's just time to move on. Um, so let's get into the NFL playoffs starting here in about three hours. Uh, let me give you guys Aaron's pick. So Aaron is just going to be chalk across the board, except for his one upset's going to be 49ers over the Cowboys. And uh, he does think that the Raiders will keep it interesting late with the Bengals. Uh, so that's where that's his pick. So he has all the favorites. Raiders keep it close. And the 49ers upset the Cowboys. So uh, let me go through my pick. So we have the Raiders at the Bengals. This is uh, – I'm actually very interested in this game. I will be cheering for the Raiders and Patriots. Um, very weird from a, a Kansas City guy to say that. But um, if the Patriots win and the Raiders both win, then the Chiefs get the Raiders and the Patriots go to Tennessee. And I think that the Patriots can match up well with Tennessee – and possibly knock them out. I think the the Bills could too, but we would actually face the Bills uh, over the uh, Raiders. So the, the Patriots winning gives the Raiders the chance to come to KC, and we are, what, like 88 and 30 facing them this year in points scored. So uh, I will say the thing about Derek Carr, Derek Carr is a fine quarterback. Like, he's decent but he's if i if i remember correctly he is 0 and 5 i just know he hasn't won a game and i think it's 5 games he's 0 and 5 when the weather is below freezing on kickoff and it's going to be below freezing in cincinnati at kickoff not a great cold weather quarterback you know he's been in the bay area uh he's he's now in vegas so He's good in the warmer weather, just not great when it's cold. I think that's going to be – could be what hurts him. I think the Raiders actually come out on top first, and then the the Bengals come back. That's my prediction for the game. I think the Raiders can cover, especially with the Bengals' offensive line not being that good. And then you have Max Crosby – and then, oh, gosh, I just looked it up, but the other defensive end on the other side who actually had a really good game against the Chargers. Um, but those two guys – no, he didn't. I'm sorry. I'm getting them mixed up. Um, but uh, I think Max Crosby can cause havoc against Joe Burrow. So I think that'll be interesting. Now, if Max Crosby just goes God mode, I think that'll be the difference. And – um the Raiders do win, but I don't think Derek Carr is going to be able to do enough in the cold weather, and we're going to see some uh, more typical Derek Carr, not like that clutch Derek Carr um, in the uh, overtime game against the Chargers. So I think Derek Carr and Max Crosby are going to be the two key players. If they both have good games, the Raiders win. If either of them has a bad game, the Raiders lose, but the Raiders need both of those guys to come out. Next up we have, so I do think the Bengals win that game, Patriots-Bills. I think this is very favorable weather for the Patriots, Uh, similar-ish, not as bad, but similar-ish to what we saw the first time uh, the Patriots won where Mac Jones threw like two passes. Sorry if you hear me taking breaks there. I'm seeing what's going on. I have the K-State game on, and Mike McGirl just hit a three to take the lead against Tech, so this is going to be a very interesting game coming down the wire here as we are up three. Um, it's going to be six degrees at kickoff, uh, an even slower wind chill, and I think it's going to be favorable for the Patriots. I don't think that they get it done. I think that the conditions are what they need to be for the Patriots to win, but I just don't think it happens. So I do think that the, the bills and Bengals play and uh, the bills come to KC and end their season there next week. Uh, Next up tomorrow, we have uh, the Eagles and Buccaneers. I think that's actually going to be a closer game than what people uh, are saying. Uh, Eagles maybe lose by a touchdown but keep it relatively close ish um, the weather is going to be you know windy uh, a bit rainy and I think that's gonna hurt the bucks a bit more uh, especially without a B uh, without um, uh, what's his face Godwin and I think it could I just don't think the Eagles can generate enough pressure on the front line. I don't think Jalen Hurts is going to be able to be polished enough to beat the Bucks, to be as good as he has to be to beat the Bucks, but I think the Eagles can keep it close, uh but the Bucks do win. Uh next up, 49ers at the Cowboys. I I have no faith in the Cowboys. You know, Dak, he's a nice player. And I just I I don't buy it. I don't like Mike McCarthy at all. Um Zeke has been very mad this year. Tony Pollard's arguably been a a better quarterback this year um, than what he has. So I think the 49ers do. When Dallas is only a three-point favorite in the NFL, you get – it's supposed to be three. It might be less now. But generally, rule of thumb is you get three points uh, for being the home team in the NFL. But Dallas hasn't necessarily been known to have a home field advantage. And their stadium, just because it's it's a nice stadium, destination stadium, it's not built to be loud and rubunctious, either like Arrowhead or uh, CenturyLink in Seattle. Um, so I, I do think that the 49ers pull that upset out as well. I'll get into the Chiefs-Steelers game after this, but the Cardinals-Rams, this is one of those tough games for me. Um, Rams are four-point favorites. But the Cardinals are 6-0 as underdogs this year. So every time they've been underdogs, they won. And I I, I do kind of like him. You know, J.J. Watts coming back. Matthew Stafford's not great in the playoffs. I think Stafford's going to Stafford. They He blew the game late against the Niners. Uh, but I also don't know how much I really trust Kiff Kingsbury, Cliff Kingsbury. And... Um, Kyler Murray's been kind of struggling late a little bit. I think at worst the Cardinals cover, but I am going to pick the Cardinals to win uh, just because I want to. I'm not going to be shocked. I'll probably regret my decision, but I'm going to pick the Cardinals to win. So Chief Steelers, I don't really know what you want me to say for this game. Like the line is 12 and a half. Like that's a huge line. I don't know if I would bet the spread. I might, honestly, just because I, I do believe that KC wins by probably two touchdowns. Uh Mitch Holtis threw out a stat the other day on the radio. The Chiefs are three, I'm sorry, are 49 and 3 when the opponents score less than 30. The the three losses were um uh that fluke Jacoby Brissett game, the Tennessee Titans game this year, and then oh what was it was another weird, weird game I can't uh remember. I can't think of off the top of my head. But I just don't think that the Steelers can score thirty points. So yeah, I don't I don't think it's gonna happen. I'll actually be going to the game. I have a, a buddy who said he got free tickets through his work. So I will be going to that. I'll be doing my part. It's gonna be a cold Sunday night game. I won't get to see Carrie Underwood sing our national anthem, which is the waiting all day for Sunday night song. Um so we'll be very uh I I I don't want it to be good. I think it might be good are close per se. I just don't think Big Ben has enough to do it. And, um, you know, Kelsey didn't play last time. Tyreek Hill played like 30% of offensive snaps. So it's it's not going to be pretty. But go do the rest of the playoffs at that point. I think the only time that the Chiefs will struggle before the Super Bowl would be you know, when we have to go to Nashville. We haven't done well in Nashville our last few times there, even with Mahomes. Um, so I think that that could be trouble for us and not even worried about Derrick Henry coming back, more worried about um, the the big body receivers, you know, like the A.J. Brown, the Julio Jones. I don't even know if Julio Jones is healthy. Um, but uh, against our, like, kind of smaller corners, Charverius Ward's had a rough couple weeks. Mike Hughes is on the smaller side. that's trouble guarding those guys. So that's the only way that I could see Kansas City struggling in the playoffs uh, especially as long as we keep Daniel Sorensen out during crucial parts of the game, I think we'll be fine and my matchup is the Chiefs over the Packers in the Super Bowl. I think it'll be a close game, a good game but the NFL finally gets that Aaron Rodgers-Patrick Mahomes matchup that they've been trying to get for the last couple years so Um, That's it. That's our our playoffs there, playoff uh, preview. So enjoy Super Wild Card Weekend. I think it's stupid they're playing a game on Monday night, but uh, it is what it is. So without further ado, have a good weekend, guys.